Good morning, Calvary Fellowship. <laughs> Happy New Year. How's everybody doing? All right. I'm doing great. Thank you for asking. I had a great New Year's. I had a lot of pork, a lot of fioles negros, right? Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is George Martinez. I am the administrator here on staff at Calvary Fellowship. But most of the time, usually on Sundays, you'll find me back there having the time of my life and uh, breaking everything that I can see and looking like I'm going to explode back there. Or sometimes you'll find me right here um, with a guitar, leading worship and singing out to God. And um, there's nothing more uh, amazing than being on the stage and sharing the Sunday experience with all of you. And what an honor it is to start off 2012 with you. And um, with that being said, let me tell you about my Thanksgiving morning this past year, you know, yesterday. Um, I woke up at 5 in the morning, okay, on Thanksgiving morning. And you're probably thinking, oh, what? George, you probably had a lot of, like, a big turkey to prep or a lot of food. You were helping your wife cook. No, 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 I wish. I wish I was thinking about food. But instead, I woke up to run my first 5K, okay? I actually got up in the morning, 5 in the morning, to go run 3.1 miles. And why? Because my wife, Evelyn who is the uh, children's director, children's ministry director, she decided a couple months before Thanksgiving, hey, babe, why don't we go run in the morning on Thanksgiving before we eat? And I'm like, no, I, I just want to eat. I don't, I don't want to run, you know. But I said, you know what, being the, the, being the supportive husband that I am, I said, anything for you, sweetie. Let's do it, you know. So we go and we start a couple weeks before the race, we start running. Uh, around our neighborhood, which is about two and a half miles, you know, and I feel, I, I felt pretty good, you know, I was like, all right, I could do this, this is a breeze, you know, um, we went to go pick up our, our special shirt, it's, and this race is called the Turkey Trot, here's the shirt that we got, and that's my number, my name, and all that, and it's like bright yellow, so everybody's going to know that you're running and you're coming, right, so it's like, great, if I can't be even more embarrassed, but anyway, we got to the race, we were ready to go, we put our running gear on, we started stretching, doing the whole thing, and uh, Evelyn turns to me and goes, hey, sweetie, um, are you going to run with me or are you going to kind of like do it at your own pace? And the reason why she asked that is because I'm going to give you some facts. I'm six, two and a half. She is not. Okay. When we would go running around in our neighborhood, she would like take these little steps, you know. And I'm like, I I've got these like praying mantis legs or like these giant things, you know. And like I always had to like stop and run with her. I'm like, Oh, yeah, I'm getting a workout. Yeah, it feels great. Yeah, it's awesome, you know. Like, it, it was so frustrating. I mean, it was, I, like, I wanted to see what this body can do, you know. Like, I wanted to take off, you know. So I told her, I'm like, sweetie, not this time. This time I have a goal, and that goal is to get to the end of that finish line at my pace, and that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to hit that goal. So she's like, all right, well, that, make, that makes sense. All right, cool. So they said, on your mark, get set, go. And I looked at her, and I'm like, baby, I love you. I'll see you at the finish line. And boom, like, you know, like, the, like in Looney Tunes, the, the, what is it, the road runner? Beep, beep. Phew, I just took off. All you saw was a cloud of smoke. And let me tell you guys, it felt incredible. I mean, I felt like a, like a gazelle running through the African savanna. I mean, I felt like I was free. It was insane. Seriously, I felt, it felt so good to finally use my legs the way I should have, you know. And, I mean, I'm telling you, it was crazy. I was running by people so fast. I was looking at people going, ha, <laughs> slowpoke. <laughs> running by little kids going, ha, <laughs> ha, watch out, buddy. And I'm just taking off. I had a goal, and I was going to hit it. But you see, 
I was running and I was feeling good. I was singing like, you know, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, a beautiful. I'm like, man, this is nothing. I could take this thing out in a, in a second. But as soon as I got to like about a mile and a half, almost getting to the second mile, you know, I'm just running and all of a sudden, boom! I'm like, ah! It felt, how can I explain it? Like if somebody grabbed a chainsaw and threw it at my ribcage, okay? It was just like this, like, all of a sudden, this, like, crazy, excruciating pain. And then all of a sudden, it trickled down to my leg, and then I was just kind of, like, doing one of these. And I'm like, I'm like, what in the world's going on? My, I'm like, what is going on? You know, like, this never happened when we ran around the house. I'm like, dude, this is crazy. This doesn't make any sense. So I, I stop, I stretch, I take some water. I'm like, all right, I got to get myself together. I try to take a couple more steps, and then boom, on this side, and then this leg. And I'm just like, okay, I'm just a mess, you know, I'm a mess. I was hyperventilating, I was like, I got to get myself together here, you know. I look back, and what do I see? All those people, all the people that I was making fun of going, ha ha, they're walking by me going, whatever, you know, like, woo you know, big, big mantis runner, you know, like, I saw those little kids, the little kids walking by me going, ha ha, and I'm just like, oh, great, this can't get any worse. But then it got worse, because... Then I saw Evelyn. I saw my wife. And she's just like this. You know? She's, and she's going for it, right? And, then like, you know, like, when, when you have, like, one of those uh, slow motion movie scenes in the movie, that's what she like. She ran right by me smiling, going, hey. And I'm looking at her like, and guys, you know how I feel. You, you, you know what I'm feeling right now. I'm just like, I got to humble myself. I'm not going to be prideful. Take, don't worry. I'm like, there's no way she's beating me. i got to take her out. There's no way I'm going to let my wife take me out with these little steps. There's no way. So I get up. I take a deep breath. And I'm like, ah, I just run after her. And I almost fall on my face. I mean, I was just like, I looked like a, it, was, it was so embarrassing. I was a mess. It was too late. I ran out of gas. And I just did horrible on that race. I didn't get to my goal. You know, I, I did finish it, but I just did Really bad. I'm not going to tell you how fast I did it because it's just embarrassing. I think some grandmas in here can probably beat me to the finish line more than I can. Okay, seriously. But I have a picture of what I looked like right after the race. That's what I looked like. That's a perfect explanation of how I felt right after that. Yes. Please take that off. Please. Um, I ran a 5K. I looked like that. What did my wife do? She ran a 10K that day. Twice as much. And what did she do? Did she take a nap? Not even close. She cooked a turkey for three hours. Then she made a ham. Then she handmade some mashed potatoes with gouda cheese. Then she did this. I've, I've, com- I've convinced myself that Evelyn, my wife, is a cyborg. And it's like she's a robot. She, she just she doesn't get tired. She just keeps going. She keeps going and keeps going. And I was just a mess, you know. And it's just, I was so disappointed because, you know, I, I, I made a goal and I really wanted to hit it. And I just didn't do it. And isn't it terrible when we do that, when we set a goal? And we just go, man, I really want to hit this goal. I really want to do it. I really want to do it. And at the beginning, right, we, we had this vision. We envision ourselves at the finish line, right? We're like, all right, I'm going for it. Let's do it. And then we start off great. We have this inspiration. We have this, this like, endless possibility mentality, right? And we're just like, we're going to do it. We're going to do it no matter what. But then things happen, right? We cramp up. We start getting tired. Things get in the way. Uh, we, maybe we get hurt. And all of a sudden, we run out of gas. And before we know it, we're cramping up. We're holding on to our ribs. We're watching the kids run by us. And it's just like we, we leave ourselves asking ourselves in the middle of the year, like, what happened to me? How did this happen? But you know what's amazing? I love this day, New Year's Day. Because, see, you haven't messed anything up yet, hopefully. I don't know. 
hopefully. You haven't lost a race yet. You haven't failed anybody. You haven't hurt anybody. You haven't been hurt yet. You haven't failed. It's like starting from a blank slate. And I love that about New Year's because you know what? It's endless possibilities for us. This year, 2012, I mean, think about it. It's like you'll never have to worry. It's just that inspiration, we just want to get that resolution or that goal and go, you know, we're going to take it. But, man, sometimes it's just really difficult, isn't it? Sometimes it's just so hard. We sometimes give up. And we, want to, we wonder, like, man, how does time fly by so fast? I can't believe it's 2012. Before we know it, we, we set a goal, we try to go for it, and then we're saying Happy New Year again. It's like, really? Like, how is that happening? I'm not, I'm not enjoying getting older because all the years are getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Even though it's a leap year, it's supposed to be longer. It felt, no, it was super short. And every year I'm like, I can't believe how much time I've wasted. You know, but maybe this is your year, right? That's what we say. This is the year. 2012, new year, happy new year. This is it. This is the year that I'm going to get out of that situation. This is the year that I'm going to forgive that person that I've never been able to forgive, right? This is the year that I'm truly going to let someone know, hey, this is how I've been feeling. I've been holding it inside for a long time, and I just got to let it out. I think we all want that. I think we all want that, especially in the beginning of this year. We want to change. We all want to change. We want to fix those broken pieces of our lives, those broken relationships, those broken dreams, those broken promises. And if we really think about it, we sometimes think that's going to be impossible, George. There's no way we can fix that. But we want something different. This year has to be different. So how can we make 2012 different than the previous years? Well, that's what I want to talk to you about today in the time that we have together. You see, I want to look at three simple little things. I know we didn't get much sleep, okay? I understand that, but three simple little things. Um, and I didn't make these things up at the top of my head. We're actually going to learn about these three things in the Bible from the Apostle Paul himself. And if you want to get ready, if you want to be prepared, just open your Bibles to Philippians, the book of Philippians, and we're going to be in chapter 3. Just have that ready. And what we're going to do, we're going to look at Paul, and Paul's going to give us a crystal clear picture of what needs to change for us this year in order for us to stop feeling like we're always failing and start reaching that finish line. So we're going to start off in verse 12 in Philippians 3. If you're there, just read with me. It says, not that I have already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may, I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. And if you pause there and give me your attention, by the way, I've always wanted to say that on stage. Anyway. Um, but seriously, anyway, Paul's teaching us the first thing in your outline, the first thing that we got to do different this year is we need to face your current reality. You have to face our current reality. You see, when Paul says that he hasn't attained, he hasn't been perfected yet, he's talking about his goal. And his goal at that time was to what? To reach people who are far from God. But here's the thing you got to know about Paul. By the time he's written these verses that we just read in Philippians, he had already written nine books of the New Testament. This guy was like the super disciple. I mean, this guy was like the cyborg disciple. He could keep going. He was so determined to reach people. But he knew his current reality. He faced it. He knew that in light of where he was right now, and he needed to reach more people. He needed to reach more. He needed to go to other countries. He needed to reach the world, and he knew he hadn't attained it yet. So what, he, what was he doing? He was giving himself a, a reality check. And you see, 
One of the main reasons I think most of the times we don't reach our goals is because we don't, take a, we, don't, we don't stop for one second and just face reality. We don't face what's going on right now. And see, Luke explains it this way in his gospel. It says this, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you. Saying that this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. And you see, it's New Year's Eve. It's New Year's, not even New Year's Eve. It's New Year's Day. So resolutions, right? Anybody have some resolutions? Anybody? Anybody thinking about some goals? Yeah? How about this? Does anybody hate resolutions? Because I can't stand them. I can't. I really can't. I, I'm serious. I can't. And I'll tell you, I have a good, a good reason why. Um, I've had the same New Year's resolution for the past 10 years. Um, that's not funny. <laughs> I'm serious. Um, I, I've had the same New Year's resolution for the past 10 years. And here's the thing. I have to warn you right now, I'm sorry. Because once I tell this to you, about half of you are going to hate me. And it's not my fault. Okay? It's not my fault. For the past 10 years, my resolution every year, all I ever wanted to do was gain 30 pounds. Okay? What? I'm, I'm serious. I wanted to gain 30 pounds. I know it sounds ridiculous. And you're like, probably looking at me like, oh, I really do hate you. Right? You have no idea what you just did. But it's true. I mean, here's the thing. I can't stand walking into a room, especially if uh, the room consists of one or two Cuban grandmothers, and they look at me and they just go, Mijito, tu te estás muriendo. Come algo, por favor. And they're like, and the translation for that is, you look like you're dying. Oh my, when was the last time you ate? Here, take my fridge. Take everything. And they always like give you more food, you know. And here's the thing, it's so frustrating because if you guys, if anyone knows me, they know that I eat like an animal. I can't stop eating. My, my stomach is like an endless black hole. It's just like food just kind of disappears. And I don't know why. And it's frustrating because, you know, I tried everything. I tried going to the gym, you know, pumping iron, taking the 900-calorie milkshakes of all my, ugh, all, my, all, that mommy, all my meals and all that, and nothing, not a single pound, you know. But here's the thing. I would get so disappointed. And I would, it would really get to me because I would look in the mirror, and all I wanted to do was look like Brad Pitt, you know. Like I just want to be like, man, it's like, I mean, I wasn't anywhere near it, but it, was, it, it actually took a toll on me. I was really disappointed, but I wasn't being realistic. See, one, one year I decided, you know what, I'm tired of this. I'm t- it's like it's 10 years in the making, and I'm not, doing any, I'm not getting any closer. So I decided to face my current reality. I decided, oh, I'm going to stop and look at my track record. How much weight did I gain last year, and the year before that, and the year before that? And you know what I found out? I've gained one pound every year for the past 10 years. One pound, okay? Since my high school graduation, I've only, that's 10 years ago, I've only gained 10 pounds one year, one, one pound a year. How am I going to possibly gain 30 in one year if I can't even gain more than one in a year normally in the, for the past 10 years? And you see, that's what I think we don't do. We don't, by nature, we don't we don't like, like to look at the, the numbers sometimes. I mean, what's the number one resolution that we always hear about? Oh, I'm going to hit the gym this year. I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to lose some weight, right? The opposite of me, I guess. Um, and what is, what's the first thing that we got to do if we really want to attain that goal? 
We've got to face reality. We've got to jump on that scale. We've got to go to Publix and go, all right, here we go. No, this thing's broken. There's no, 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 no. That's wrong. That's wrong. I'm going to another Publix. This one's really, really good, you know? Like, I always have my, my issues about that. Like, no, no, this one's off. You see how it's not really going down? No, no, no. Because somebody was going to Cuba, and they brought the gusano, the big thing, and weighed their... Anyway. But it's true. We, I know it's not pretty, but we have to face reality. We have to jump on that scale and go, okay, where do I go from here? Right? Because if not, how do you know if you've succeeded or if you've gotten better or not? You have to have a starting point. And you see, most of us, I think what we do, we say, all right, I'm going to hit the gym. I'm going to lose some weight. I'm going to get in shape. And we just think that, I don't know, that we want to wake up and go, oh, look at that. I, I, wow, these are from high school. Awesome. You know, like we think that it just, it's going to happen. And the truth is, we look, sometimes we're in Publix too and we're looking in, in the, at those magazine covers. I mean, I do it all the time. When I see like men's health, I'm just like, man. I got a long way to go, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's impossible to get there. And you know why? Because some of those magazine covers, they're just lies. They're just lies. You know how much money goes into making those people look that good? How many enhancements and airbrushes and this and that? And like, oh, oh don't worry about that zit. Don't worry about this. Whoops. They could, I mean, they've seen, I could, I've seen some crazy things happen with those magazine covers. And it's just a lie. And you see, the world has a way of making us feel like, man, we need that. I need to look like that. It has a, the world has a way of making things look a lot prettier, nice and shiny and nice and pretty and all that. And at the end of the day, it's just lies. I mean, that phone just came out a month after you just got your brand new phone. But I have to have that one. I've got to get that new phone. Oh, no. If you drive this car, that gives you respect. If you wear this watch, you know, ooh, hey, you're successful. But at the end of the day, you know what? The Bible says this. Romans 12 says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. God's telling us right then and there, look, stop worrying about this. Stop worrying about that. Don't worry about that car. Just worry about yourself and, and just worry about the relationship between me and you. And we have, to, we have to do that. We have to stop whatever goal you want to do. Maybe you want to be a better father this year. Maybe you want to be a better mom. Where is your relationship with your son and daughter right now. Maybe you want to be a better husband or a better, I know I do, I always want, I always want to be a better husband, a better husband, a better, a better wife. Where are you right now? Where's your relationship right now? We have to face the facts. You see, if we face the facts, then we can start setting realistic goals and actually getting to that finish line. But Paul doesn't finish there. He goes on in verse 13 in Philippians. Here's what it says. It says, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do is forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. He paused and give me your attention. Um, this, the first thing was we have to face our current reality. Second thing Paul's teaching us that we need to do different this year is we need to learn from the past. To learn from the past. And I understand learning from the past is... Uh, a lot easier said than done. I know our past is very tricky. But our past is one of the most influencing parts of our lives, and we tend to do a few things with it. For some of us, and you know certain people like this, some of us live in the past. We dwell in it. We just we replay that scene over and over and over and over again, and we just get stuck there. Um, others of us, we know something happened, but we, what do we do? We ignore it. We go, oh, you know what? I know that happened, but I'm just going to kind of move forward. I'm going to... 
I think I'm going to move on, but at the same time, we all know that that's not the case. And um, the third thing that some of us do is that we actually learn from it. And if we can be honestly, brutally honest with each other, I think we all want to be that third person. Because I, I know I always want to learn from my mistakes. I always want to learn from the past. Because we know that those first two areas are very, very dangerous. You see, when we dwell in our past, it paralyzes us from moving forward in any aspect of your life. I mean, when you're stuck in the past, there's no way you can move forward. There's no way you could win a race by looking backwards. I mean, there's no way. If, if, imagine this, okay? Think about how awkward this would be if you were to go to the mall, you know, and you're like, all right, I'm going to go to Macy's, which is right over there, but I'm going to walk this way and look that way, and let's see if I could somehow make it, you know? How long would it be before you probably hit somebody, you get into a fight, you're like, hey, man, come on, or you run, in, run into a pole, you trip over yourself, right? Imagine if we drove that way. Can you imagine getting on 75 right now and going, all right, where do you want to go? Let's go to lunch. All right, cool. And you just start driving this way. People in the car would be like, excuse me, what are you, are you crazy? What are you doing? You, we, we would be driving like maniacs. And I understand, I understand Hialeah is only like five minutes away. And I've seen crazier driving in Hialeah. So like, I understand that there's some people that are very talented and can maybe do that. But it, it would just be chaos. See, Maybe for some of you, this, you maybe this year you want to find that, that special person. Maybe you want to you you get married this year, which is an amazing goal. But what happens? You start seeing someone new, and then what? Oh, it starts replaying in your head, and you start comparing, and you start remembering, and, you start, and then you get scared because what? You start thinking that it's going to happen again, and you get paralyzed. You stop. And then you, you, without even knowing, you've talked yourself out, the, out of an amazing opportunity because you're stuck in the past. It just paralyzes us. But you see, living in the past and dwelling in the past is bad, but you know what? Ignoring it is just as bad too. When you don't resolve a problem, when you don't confront the way you feel, right? When you don't share that, there's this thing that happens. And you know what I'm talking about. That little feeling, that weird feeling, it starts building and building and building. You start seeing that person, ooh, there it goes again, building and building. And it turns into something that you would have never thought in a million years it could ever be. You see, I'm a musician, and uh, I play a lot of different instruments. I had a lot of time on my hands in high school. So I learned all these different instruments, and I was like a band geek and all that. But my main instrument is the drums. And um, you see these little, like, flying saucer-looking things that they kind of look like giant frisbees, but they're made out of metal. Um, they're cymbals. That's what they're called. And they're made primarily by two of the biggest companies. One of them's called Sabian. The other one's called Zildjian. And um, they're actually, that, those two companies are owned by these two brothers. One owns one, the other one owns the other one. But it started out as one company. You see, about, a, I don't even know how many years ago, 70, 80 years ago, these two brothers got together and said, we're going to make musical instruments and we're going to become the biggest name in the world. And um, one brother, he loved dealing with people. He loved customer service. He loved making sure that they loved the product. So he was always wondering, like, oh, how do you feel about this? How do you feel? Did you have a good experience? He was always about customer service. The other brother... Uh, could care less about people, could care less about what the product, that they made them happy or not. All he cared about was what does the financial statements look like at the end of this month. I want to know how the bank is doing. He cared about money. He cared about all that. Needless to say, they bumped heads. They couldn't stand each other. They, they got into such a crazy argument that, you know what, the brother decided to leave and make his own company. He's like, I can't take it. I never want to deal with you ever again. And you know what? From now on, let's not even speak. I can't even stand your face. 
I'm not even going to talk to you anymore. That's it. It's over. And he went and started off his own company. And until this day, they've never spoken. And here's the thing that's crazy. The brother who loved customer service and the people, he got terminally ill uh, maybe like three or four years ago. And he was in his hospital bed, and the only thing, the only thing that he was asking for was, where is my brother? Where's my brother? It's like, man, all I want to do is see my brother. Can, like, is he here? Do you know if he's coming? You... And here's the thing. I wish I could tell you a happy, a happy ending to the story. I really, really wish I could. But he never showed up. His brother never showed up to his hospital bed. He passed away. His brother didn't even show up to his funeral. And I, I can guarantee you that his family didn't think it would come to that. A little argument, a little miscommunication, a little unforgiveness, a little thing can turn into something to the point where you won't even go to your brother's deathbed. And you know what? You're hearing the story and going, man, that's crazy. You know, I can't believe that. But this is your story. You're, you're listening to the story and right now you already have somebody in your head. And you go, you know what? Man, I haven't talked, to, maybe you haven't spoken to your mom in years, or your, or your, or your uncle, or your, your friend, or your brother, or your, you know, I mean, imagine, you haven't spoken to your brother in a long time, and you know what, because you, ha- you haven't been, you've been ignoring it, we've been ignoring that there's been a problem, and we go, you know what, we can move on without them, and maybe today, New Year's Day, right after church, you know what you got to do, you pick up the phone, you go, hey, Happy New Year, man, I'm sorry. I don't even know why I'm sorry, but I'm sorry anyway. You know, I'm going to be the bigger person right now because, you know what, I want to see you. We've got to make this right. We've got to make this right. You know, we have the perfect excuse, guys, today. New Year's, God has given us an amazing excuse right now, today, to go call those people. It's New Year's Day. We need to make a new life today. God wants that from us. And you know what, that's what it looks like to learn from the past. God, God wants us to call those people up and go, look, we need to fix this right now. I am so tired. I do not want to end up like those two brothers, okay? I love you. I want, I want to make this work. I'm sorry if I was a pain in the butt, or I'm sorry, I'm sorry we didn't, but it doesn't matter. I want to fix this today. And you see, if we don't do that, it just slows us down. Our past will grab a hold of us, and we'll never even come close. In Hebrews, it says this, Therefore, since we, we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything. You could underline that if you want. Everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. You see, our past has a way of entangling us. Our past mistakes, they entangle us. And before we know it, they hold us back. And God wants you today to let that go. Just let it go. So let's recap, okay? In verse 12, in Philippians, Paul said that he hadn't attained. He was not perfected, right? He hadn't gotten to his goal. What was he doing? He was facing his current reality, right? In verse 13, he says, what, I, what do I do? I, I forget the things from the past, and I look to the things of a, ahead, right? So he's learning from his past, the same thing that he wants us to do. Now in verse 14, he's going to show us the last one. So read with me. It says, I press forward toward the goal and the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You see, he's telling us, number three, is we need to press forward toward the goal. We need to press forward toward the goal. 
And for us to really understand it, for us to really get a grasp of what he's telling us, we have to understand this word press and the way he uses it in this verse. Okay? This word in the Greek language is called agonizo. And it's where we get the English word agonize. So I did a, couple, I did a little research. I went to Webster's, went online, Google, and, and got a couple different definitions of the word agonize. And it's interesting, some of the stuff that I found. One of them is to make a great effort. I'm like, all right. Uh, the other one is a struggle. And the other, last one is to endure through pain. And you see, this reminds me of in that time, the Olympics, uh, the Roman chariot racers, they, um, they, had a, they had a little secret thing that they did in order to win races. See, if you were to just to get into one of these chariots and you had the horses and you kind of did this whole thing, they would go pretty fast, but you would never win a race that way. Why? Because they needed momentum. The horses needed to feel some type of pressure to get them going. And so what these guys would do, they would like, if they say this is a chariot, they would lean forward, like almost on their tippy toes, and they would just like whip like that. And what happens is the, the horses felt that. They felt that pressure, and they would just take off. And you see, it was uncomfortable. They had to stand there for like, as long as the race happened. And it wasn't easy. It was something painful. But they were in it to win. And they knew that if they weren't uncomfortable, they weren't going to win that race. As simple as that. And you see, I think we do the same thing. We need to get a little uncomfortable sometimes. Because if we don't feel that pressure, if we don't feel that strain, we're going to end up just like every other year. We're just going to be like, all right, what happened to that goal? Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, well. And then what, we're stuck. We're stuck. So Paul's telling us to press forward. What does that look like? What does that mean for you and me? How do we press forward this year? Well, the first thing we got to do, if you want to win this race, this New Year's race, the first thing you got to do to win the race, surrender. And you're like, whoa, 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 wait a Okay, hold on a second. George, I was with you until right there. You lost me. You, I've came to, I woke up today to come to church to find hope, to find a meaning, and, and, and you're telling me the first thing I got to do is give up? Not exactly. I'm not telling you to give up. What I'm telling you to do is to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. You see, when we finally decide to trust in God and we give him all of our dreams, those goals, those resolutions, and we offer it to him and go, God, here it is. I'm going to trust you with it. God grabs that and he supersizes it. I mean, he does things that we could never imagine. And you see, I'll give you an example. If you were to tell, if you were to tell me a few, a few years ago, hey, George, uh, you're going to be on stage and uh, you're going to be you're going to be teaching out of a Bible and, um, you know. That's what you're going to be doing in a couple of years. I'd be like, okay, well, you're out of your mind, and um, you need some medication because that's never going to happen. That's impossible. And you know why? Because I was the guy, I was the dude walking into the Calvary Fellowship for the first time. I'll never forget it. I, I, I played drums because I needed to help the worship team out, and then I remember wanting to just run out the door. I could not stand being here. I was like, I don't want to hear about this. I, want to be, I don't want to hear about God. I'm doing my own thing. And I don't want to hear this. I'm out. So what would I do? I'd be the guy that would get the connection card and put, like, the fake email. And I'd be like, all right. All right. So, you know, my, my email is really skinny music. But, you know, skinny George XX4516 at yahoo.com. Here you go. Thanks a lot. See you next week. Yeah, right. Whatever. You know, that's, that was me. First time I came here. Gave all the wrong information. I thought I would never walk through these doors again. 
But man, oh man, did God have a different plan. You know, for some reason, he started working in me. I started coming back. I have no idea why. But I started coming back. And I came back again. And again. And again. And then all of a sudden, I, I met a couple of cool people and some friends. Hey, you want to go to lunch? I'm like, I don't know. All right, sure. You know, then I, I got involved with small groups. I started volunteering. I started serving. I started, and all of a sudden, I, I'm like, I don't think I could do this thing called life anymore by myself. I think I need him. And I was like, I'm not really sure how I feel about that. But you know what I did? That day, I grabbed my future, my plans. I told God, I'm God, look, I don't even know who you really are yet. (laughs) But here's my life. Here's everything that I am. Every inch. Here it is on the platter. All my mistakes, all my failures. You take it because you know what? I trust you more than I trust myself with it. I trust that you can do something that I will never, ever be able to do. And when we do that, it's incredible what he does. When I did that, that future that I never thought I would ever have, that those things that I wanted that I would ask for but ask for the wrong reasons, all that stuff got figured out. It started falling into place. He blessed me beyond belief. And it doesn't mean that I'm awesome because I'm not. I didn't deserve any of it. What it means is that he's absolutely incredible because he can take a messed up life, a broken life like mine, and like hundreds of other people that I know, and turn it into something magnificent, something that's priceless. And you know, it reminds me of the scripture in Luke one thirty-seven. I love it, because it says, and with God, nothing will be impossible. But please pay attention to with. It's with him. It's not just like, hey God, here's what I want, so you take care of it. No, no. We have to do it together. We have to surrender first. That's the first thing. Second thing for us to be able to press forward is we need to stay consistent. We need to stay consistent. You see, when I was racing that turkey trot, when I was running, I had every intention in my heart to finish that race and do good and, you know, and make my wife proud. It's like, sweetie, check it out. Look at the score. I'm a buff man. That's right. I could do this, you know. I had every intention to do that. But instead, what did I do? I, I was a mess. I went off on my own speed. I took off and I'm like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And if I would have just stopped and understood what would have happened, obviously I would have done something different, right? I would have stayed. If I would have just stayed with my wife, the way we were running around our neighborhood, she wouldn't have let me give up. She would, she, I would have gone to that finish line, even though I would have been running like this, okay? And I would have been so frustrated. I'm like, oh, wow, this is really fun. I, I can't, I'm so glad for Thanksgiving we're doing this because this is awesome, you know? No, no, no. Even though I would have been frustrated, she wouldn't have let me stop. We would, I would have made it to the end because she would have helped me to the end of that race. But I took off. I fell apart. They made fun of me, right? And um, how often do we do that with God? How often do we do the same thing with God? We start off with God. And we're like, all right, I'm doing this. Let's go. Here's my stuff. Here's everything. Surrender or supposedly surrender. And then what happens? What happens? We get impatient, right? We ask Man, why is God taking these little baby steps? I want to just take off, you know? Why, why is he taking so long to bless me? I want him to bless me right now. I want it right now. And we just take off. We don't wait. We just take off. We do it on our own, and we're just not consistent. We, we run out of gas, and then God shows up. Hey, it's like, what's up? And you see, we need to be consistent. 
We have to be consistent. And one of the ways we can be consistent is the third filling in your outline and the final one, which we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. You see, the world can be falling apart. You could be, I mean, everything could be going wrong. You don't think it could get any worse. But if you fix your eyes on Jesus, you will not tremble. You will not even flinch. Because if you are completely 100% focused on him, he's going to sustain you. He won't let you fall. Just like if I would have stayed with my wife, I would have made it to the end because she would have been there to help me. That's how God is. He wants to be there with us. Even if we're taking baby steps, not going as fast as we want. But if we stop and we pay attention to him, he wants to bless us. He wants us to keep going. This is the promise that Jesus says. And I love his promises because he never fails. It says this. Jesus says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And that's some big words, some big shoes to fill. You know, it says, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus is what? He's consistent. He's consistent, and we have to be consistent. It reminds me of the story of Peter. Um, when Peter, uh, he, was, he wanted to walk on water. And like the story, if you don't know the story, the story kind of goes like this, a very short version. Um, there's like a big storm. The disciples are on a boat. They're freaking out. Oh, we're going to die, all this stuff. And then they see Jesus walking on water. And it's just like, whoa. And Peter goes and t- he yells out to Jesus, Jesus, I want to I walk on the water too. Like, I want to do that. That looks really cool. Right? So Jesus goes, all right, get out of the boat. And, and Peter's like, all right, really? Like, yeah, get out of the boat. Let's do it. He looks at his other disciples and goes, all right, let me, let me do it. And he gets out of the boat, and he starts walking, and he starts walking on that water. And it's incredible. And he's looking at Jesus, and he's like, I, I can't believe I'm doing this. He's looking at his Lord and Savior, walking straight at him, and he's like, this is amazing. But then what happened? For one split second, he takes his eyes off of Jesus, and he starts realizing what he's actually doing. He looks at the waves. He looks at the storm. He looked at all the disciples going like this. What's going on? He's freaking out, right? And what does he begin to do? He begins to sink. And maybe some of you are here today and you're sinking. Maybe you're sinking. Maybe you, you, you started off with God. You really, you really wanted to go for it this year or last year, whatever it is. And you started off with God. You, you had your eyes on him, but something came up and we began to sink. You see, maybe you're here today and you don't even know who this Jesus person is that I'm talking about. Maybe you're here and you don't, you don't even know what God really even looks like. And um, you might feel like, I don't even know why I'm really here. Like, I just got invited by a friend or, you know, I was passed out on the couch and nobody dragged me here this morning. I don't know why I'm here. But can I tell you that I believe that you're here because God wanted you here. You're not here by accident. And you're here not so that God can point a finger at you and go, oh, this is what you didn't do last year. This is the failure. This is this. This is that. He's not here to point at you and go, hey, shame on you. That's not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible wants you here for only one reason. And that's to let you know that he loves you. That he loves you. He knows all the stuff that you haven't accomplished. And what's amazing about that is that he loves you even more because of that. He wants you just the way you are. He doesn't care. See, he loves you so much that he gave something that no one else can give. He gave his son to cover 
all of that stuff, all the mistakes, all the sins, all the things from the past, so that we can have life. See, John 3.16, we've all heard this verse. God loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. And maybe you need that. Maybe you hear that and you go, man, George, you know, I need help. This year, this past year was, was, was tough. This past year, I saw things that I never thought would happen. I saw my bank account diminish. I lost a house. I lost a son. I lost a loved one. I, this year was so ridiculous, the tsunami, the this, the that. I mean, it's, it's been so crazy. And every, every, t- every time that I set goals, I do it on my own. I just take off, and I never really wait for anybody to help me, including God. Well, in, you know, in a moment, we're going to pray. In a moment, we're going to pray, and you're going to have an opportunity to invite Jesus Christ into your life. You're going to have an opportunity to surrender, just like I did many years ago, to surrender everything, all of you, all your worries, all that stuff, and give it to him and go, look, here it is. You take it. And can I tell you, that's the most important decision you will ever make in your entire life, better than any resolution, better than any goal that you would ever achieve. Because here's the thing. You can't even imagine what God is going to do for you. Okay, seriously, in 1 Corinthians 2.9, it's the perfect picture of it. It says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. And you know, even if you're not a Christian, you know that you, people love God. People want God to bless them. When we're in the worst, when, we're, when we hit rock bottom, what do we do? God, help us. God, help us. That's because we're looking for hope. And I pray, I pray with all my heart that today you wouldn't look back and go, man, I remember that day I went to church, the first of the 2012. I remember that day, and man, I, 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 he told me how to set goals, and I set resolutions, and I set goals, and it's awesome. I made the best resolution ever. I pray that instead of thinking about resolutions, I pray that you remember this day because you had a revelation, a New Year's revelation of who Jesus Christ is. And what he can do for your life. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much. We thank you so much for a brand new year. We thank you so much that you are in control of our lives, God. God, I, I thank you that, that all the things that are from the past, I thank you that we, we can learn from them, Lord, if we choose to. I thank you that, that you love us so much. Even though you know how much we've messed up, including myself, God. I don't, I, I'll never understand why you love me so much, but you do, and it's amazing. And you love every single person in this room. No one is here by accident. I thank you for that. I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you because your word is so true. And if we abide by those rules, if we're obedient to you, Lord, if we surrender everything that we've got, if we, are, we, we have to be tired of running the race by ourselves. I mean, seriously, if nothing's going right, every time that I do something, I mess it up. It's time to let it go. It's time to let you be God and me marvel at how amazing you are. No one can love us like you do, God. No one can fulfill. No one can keep us sustained. No one can... Help us not be perished, Lord, this year, except you. 
And for those of you who maybe you're here and, like I said before, you're sinking. You're, you're looking for a way out. You need a lifesaver. You know, you, you, you just, you don't need a lifesaver. What you do, you need Jesus. You need a Lord, the Lord of the entire universe. Like the God who created the heavens and earth gave his son because he knew that there's no way we would ever measure up to his perfect, sinless life. But he gave it anyway. He gave Jesus to us anyway. Why? So we can have a relationship with God. So we could stop running this race on our own. And if you're here today, and you're saying, you know what, George, I want that. I don't know what it is. I don't really know what I'm going to do. But I, I need to surrender because I can't take it anymore. 2012 has to be different. Well, I want to invite you into a prayer. And it's not a magic formula. It's not anything except just a sincere prayer straight to God, letting them know that you're all in, that you're, that you're done trying to do everything on your own. You want to let them know that you're tired of carrying the world on your shoulders. And if you're ready to pray, just repeat after me. And everyone is going to be repeating, so don't worry about it. You repeat out loud because it says in, in the word that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that God resurrected him from the dead, you will be saved. So if you're ready to let go, just repeat these words. Just say, dear God, I come to you today and I say I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the mistakes that I've made. I'm sorry for the sins I've committed. I thank you for Jesus, that he died for me, so that I may have life. I want to walk with you for the rest of my days. Thank you for loving me just the way I am. In Jesus' name, amen.